There's a story inside every smoke shop, with every cigar, and with every person. Come be a part of the cigar lifestyle at Boveda. This is Box Press. Welcome to another episode of Box Press. I'm your host, Rob Gagne with Boveda, and I'm at TPE on our second day, and I'm sitting down with a very important company hailing from the Big Sky State, Montana. This is Big Sky Cigar Company. Now, most people think of cigars hailing from the Caribbean, somewhere in the South Caribbean tropics area, getting rolled by somebody from the Dominican or Nicaragua. But most people don't understand that a majority of the cigars rolled in the early 1900s were actually coming out of the United States. In fact, to put it in perspective, New York City produced more cigars than Cuba by 10 times. And we're sitting down with Big Sky founders, Jess Coleman and Brandon Marsh to talk about how they got their company started. Thank you guys for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having us, Rob. Yeah. I love your cigar line. The first one I had was the one with the blue mountaintop. Yeah, the Bighorn. The Bighorn. Great cigar. And today we're actually smoking the Bitterroot, which is... Yeah, so we just released this stick yesterday uh, as part of our TPE presence. Uh, so the Bitterroot Valley and the Bitterroot River is in western Montana. Uh, by foot, if you were to go through the mountains, it's about 40 miles or so by trail to the Idaho border. By road, it's probably uh, about an hour's drive. Um, so the Bitterroot River, a famous fly fishing river, uh, it starts out as the East and the West Fork and then flows down towards Missoula, Montana, uh, which was really kind of the setting for uh, the movie A River Runs Through It. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah. Norman McLean. So yes. big part of our uh, influence and our upbringing in Montana and, and being in the fly fishing scene. So, Because you even have a cigar sampler pack that has hand-tied fly knots or flies that's correct in it yeah so that's our montana river box and uh we were tossing around when we started the company what we could do to be unique and represent who we are and you know we threw around the golf piece but that's that's overplayed right and didn't really connect with what we're looking to do and uh brandon came up with the idea of the, of the river box so that comes with five cigars in a proper cigar box. And then there's uh, Spanish cedar inlays and uh, you get 12 hand-tied flies. They're tied in Columbia Falls, Montana, and then a guillotine cigar cutter. So uh, we've worked with Fly Fisherman Magazine. We're actually in their Father's Day gift guide right now as nice. we speak with that. It's been a, a real success for us so far. So It's a beautiful presentation. Thank you. How did you guys take me back to the time where you're thinking, let's start a cigar company? What's what spawned that conversation, especially between the two of you? How did you even come to meet each other and decide we're going to go into business together? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Jess and I have been friends now for, say, 13 years, and we've been throwing ideas back and forth of what businesses to start. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, just throwing darts at the wall, seeing what sticks. Uh, the first thing we got into were cattle. Uh, we have a herd up in northeastern Montana. Uh, we run shares on my family's ranch, <clears throat> so that's pretty cool. And then uh, one day Jess is out fishing, and he calls me up. He's like, dude, I got an idea. I was like, what? And he's like, uh, why doesn't Montana have his own cigar company? And we didn't know at the time that there was already cattle baron out of Dillon. 
<clears throat> there's the Montana Sports Cigar out of Livingston. But, uh, you know, we just wanted to do it a little bigger. And so uh, Jess yeah, went through all the pink tape for about six months. and Yeah, so, you know, we like you said, we developed all these ideas for years. Um, you know, we had worked together in the energy industry, and we both have business degrees from schools in Montana. Is that how you met each other as you worked together? Yeah, in the energy industry. I used to work for his dad, and then he was in college, um, and then he came out, and he was working on my crew. So it was my entire goal to get him to quit every day. <laughs> so not by being mean, but by holding him accountable. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but you had known him through family and friends before no, or college. I, I only knew him through the connection through his dad a little bit, but not on any, uh, well, not so on like a friendship level. You knew level. his dad. You're like, let's, let's break his son a little bit exactly. and get him, get him working hard. And his dad was in full support of that <laughs> and, I, and still is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he still is. In yeah. fact, he still calls me every day to tell him, is has my son left the job site yet? Yeah. So we, you know, we, we developed this idea, all the ideas that we had before, I mean, from inventions, business ideas, so on and so forth. You know, we came up with it, got all excited, called each other, and then you'd go on Google and get crushed. Uh, oh, this right. has already been invented. Someone's already doing this. So you guys aren't doing a very good job of researching your ideas before you actually like no. spend all the <laughs> brainstorming I time. Yeah, to get excited yeah, and get right. crushed. So that literally happened, I mean, probably a hundred times, right? And then, so the cigar thing comes up, uh, same thing, call them all excited. Hey, we should do this. Why isn't there a Montana cigar? And then we look it up and again, there's two, it's a couple. Right? but we said, you know, we can do this differently. Right. And that's at the same time that we discovered there was two is when we discovered the history of cigars in Montana. So we felt that, uh, you know, again, like you were saying this, trying to establish this disconnect from the Caribbean, there, this is a story that we can stick to. This is something that we can build on, bring the legacy back to Montana. Yeah, because it has back. roots. It has historical facts. I mean, I'm looking at some of these numbers that were in the Billing Gazette. In 1905, Montana had over 107 cigar factories within the state with only over, with a little over only 240,000 people in the entire territory. That equals one cigar factory for every 2,200 people. Yeah. One Incredible. cigar factory for every 2,000, a little over 2,000 people? Yeah. That's insane. This was, was it just because it was like a transient town because of the railroad being built and I'm sure gold mining and forging west? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the research that we've done and kind of our stance is that uh, the, there was a lot of migrant labor that came in for, like you, like you said, railroad and mining. Copper mining's massive in Montana. That's really what put it on the map. Uh, sure. You know, there's several mansions throughout uh, Butte, Montana and, and over in Hamilton that are known as the Copper King Mansions, right? Butte, Montana is called the richest hill on earth for its copper deposits. Really? Yeah. And so our, our thought is, and from what we've read, is that all this migrant labor came in and the build out of the railroad and then in support of the mines, right? Um, and then as that uh, ebbed and flowed, people peeled off and started businesses in support retail businesses and otherwise. And a lot of these folks had the heritage being migrant, you know, type labor and had the heritage and the know-how and the connections to get the tobacco. And then they started rolling on a small scale to support the other folks in the industries, right, around them. And then it really grew in support of places outside of Montana where, uh, you know, we found boxes of cigars in 
Montana antique stores that we've we gone around yeah. and for as part of our market research to find old labels and such. And a lot of them were produced in Montana and immediately exported to New York. So it was in support right. of the New York production, right? That huge production yeah. inside New York. Yeah. And There's so a lot of the, people that wanted those cigars. Absolutely. And and then in Livingston, Montana. So Livingston is just outside of uh, Yellowstone National Park. And it's like kind of a gateway uh, town, really beautiful town. And so at one point, the Garnier Cigar Company uh, was- Garnier? Was Garnier. It's like my last yeah. name. Are you, you sure? You may have a connection. <laughs> <laughs> I got roots in the cigar business. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So at one point, they were producing 40,000 sticks a month out of Livingston, Montana. And that, wow. that made them the- second largest employer in Montana at the time. So this was early 1900s. And so they were only second to Burlington Northern Railroad. So That's what incredible. I read. It's unbelievable. There's So just to put it in perspective, though, the golden age of cigars. You know, we had kind of like the golden cigar boom in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. but this isn't a cigar. It's not a cigar boom. It's like the golden age. And just to set the perspective... That golden age means you would have found cigars in every store a man was likely to walk or a woman was likely to walk into. So we're talking hotels, restaurants. They said the only places you wouldn't have found them are in doctor's offices and I think the post office, Yeah, you know, like a federal facility or something like that. But it was amazing to think that cigars were everywhere present, the drugstore, the hotel, the restaurant, the convenience store, everything. Yeah. So you could pick up a cigar anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, one thing we found, uh, again, doing research at the antique stores, we, went, we traveled the state and hit, you know, I don't know, 100 and some antique stores when we were trying to figure out our branding. And because we were looking at maybe contacting a family that was connected to one of these brands and paying them a royalty or buying the original artwork and bringing back some of the original branding from that time. Um, so one thing that we found was uh, cigar tokens and there were plentiful. I mean, we're still finding them in antique stores. So you'd have a cigar token that was linked to a certain uh, brick and mortar, not, not brick and mortar as we know today in the cigar business, but like you're saying, you know, convenience type stores, hardware stores, and it was just good for one cigar. So, so it's like almost like a gift card, but it was a good way to get somebody to come back to your store. Yeah. It's like a drink token at a bar right. today. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was interesting. So a directory from 1893 lists 26 factories in Montana and a, and a factory of a decent size was about 10 employees was a good size factory. And that kind of borderline between small and medium. And the cigar manufacturers could set up a shop for $3, three whole American dollars to set up your cigar factory. And more importantly, they could get a credit from the tobacco company or supplier. So somebody's paying you kind of in a way as a credit, three bucks to set up a shop so they can sell more tobacco through your chain. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think that would be illegal today, probably. Yeah, but <laughs> what a, like, you know, like, hey, if I help you build it, they're going to come and buy and now I can sell you more tobacco. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent way to expand your footprint. Yeah, that's marketing 101. Absolutely. Yeah. Supply and demand. <laughs> more, more demand needs more supply. Love yeah. it. 
Great stories. And then two back then, like cigars were 15 cents. And I love the little catch. Two for 30 cents or yeah. two for 25 cents. Like it was like, hey, I give you a five cent discount if you buy a couple. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I would, if I were wealthy, I'd definitely walk in and buy two. Why yeah, not? Absolutely. One for the road and one for now. Yeah. yeah. So that Garnier Cigar Company, their main cigar that they produced was called the Montana Sport. And the band on it is a, is a, a Springer Spaniel. And, and so there's a gentleman in Livingston that brought that company back. And he, he just did it more as a hobby. He doesn't have any distribution. He actually sells them on the side of the road on the way to Yellowstone National Park. But you go in and visit with him and he has a ton of the original uh, marketing materials and branding and boxes. And so he has their cardboard Montana sport boxes, but they're all listed five cents, five cents. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. So cool. So now you guys decide to start a cigar company, kind of like, do you even know how to do this? Are you kind of like floundering? Like, what do I need to do next? Yeah. So, uh, we agreed to do it. Um, and we, we had, you know, we smoked cigars before we started the company. Um, uh, but I wouldn't say that we were, you know, we certainly weren't in the business in any way, shape or form. Uh, we weren't con connoisseurs, right? We're still continuing to learn. I think we all are, right? As oh, far absolutely. as the business goes and, and the art behind it. Um, so the first move that, that we made, Brandon was, was working on the road and wasn't available to make a trip, but I uh, flew to Little Havana and just figured that was a good place to start. And yeah, down in Miami. That's yeah. a great spot to go and figure out how do I get a cigar rolled for me? Absolutely. So I just spent a week there smoking until I was sick, basically, <laughs> uh, walking around, talking to people and just learning, watching. You know, I went to El Titan de Bronze, watched them roll. First time I'd ever seen a cigar rolled, right? Uh, first time I'd seen a draw machine. So draw you, you decided machine. to start a cigar company without ever seeing a cigar rolled. That's right. Yeah. How gutsy is that? Yeah, I think we were just, you know, one thing for me, just speaking for myself is in the business ideas that I had coming up and going through business school, like I was, I've always wanted to produce a product that I could sit with someone and watch them consume and get their reaction, whether that be food, alcohol, and a cigar, right? So you're smoking one of our cigars right, right now, this show, we get to spend time and get feedback from people. And now with our growing presence, we get feedback. And to me, like, that's the, that's the dream, right? And I thought that this would be a good marriage of that in terms of, you know, we can go out and develop a cigar with someone or several different people, right? And, and, uh, and make it our own and have control of the artwork and how we build the brand. And so, yeah, it all started out in, in Little Havana. So it was a week there. But wait um, a minute, before we go on to Little Havana, yeah. why is it more rewarding to see and build something that people consume and you get to see the reaction versus like, you know, some people build online things that are passed through income. Yeah. Why is it more rewarding for you? So I think, uh, well, I know the, the big thing for me is it's the same as if I was a, a craft brewer of beer or a craft distiller that, you know, that I can sit there, engage with somebody, understand what they like and don't like about the brand that we can take feedback and make changes and get it right. I, I liken it to, uh, in, my, in my mind, the worst career I could ever have is be a radio host, right? So hey, I'm hang in a on, hang on. We're so, getting real close to my territory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, but uh, you're sitting in a room all day. You're sharing your heart and soul with somebody, but you're not seeing the interaction and you're not seeing the feedback. 
So you, you like to see the interaction because those radio hosts probably know they impact people because when they go into the public, people come up to them almost like celebrities and say, I listen to you every day. You're, they are very connected to other people's lives, yeah. but you like the feedback, immediate feedback from exactly. somebody. Yeah. And just not so much for myself, but just to build the relationship and learn about somebody else, be able to make changes, be able to let somebody know that they've had an impact on the direction that our company is going. Right, so one thing that we've done recently is uh, our second cigar that we released was the Bighorn. Uh, it was uh, made at Tobacco Costa. We recently just rebuilt that cigar, just released the Bighorn 2.0, and we did that based off of feedback from our customers. Really, and and it was a you know a massive expense for us, a massive undertaking to do it. But I think for us to be able to pivot and have the ability to make those changes at, with the size of our company. Uh, you know, I think is excellent. I think it, you know, uh, helps us, you know, solidify the, the bond with our customers and make them feel part of what we're doing too. I, I guess the last point on this is just uh, being able to have something that's local in terms of, you know, we aren't making our cigars in Montana, right? We're making them in, in Nicaragua, but we go there every time we develop a cigar, right. right? We're involved in every step of the way. On the Montana side of it, uh, we're supporting, you know, all of our printing, all of our, every bit of work that we can do, our, uh, our graphic work, we're doing that in Montana, trying to, to bring money back to the state. Right. right. And then, you know, we're paying, of course, 50% uh, cigar tax in Montana, which is just pretty rough, but it, it supports a local I'm actually economy, surprised so. your state with how much history they have in premium cigars and all this rolling and all this history that they have such high tobacco tax. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. I mean, you know, we own a brick and mortar separate of Big Sky, something yep. we did afterwards. And, um, you know, it's hard to compete with online, right? If you have a 50% tax and someone can go buy the stick online and not have to incur the tax, it makes it tough. And that, that makes those relationships all that more important in the service, right? Right. So, Absolutely. So... You get the idea, obviously, to start your company from the roots that are already laid in Montana, the history through it all. But I got to assume, especially in the beginning, there have got to be some areas where you were like, you know what? The juice just isn't worth the squeeze. I think this project was a passion project and we got to put it to bed. What, I don't, I don't what know happened there? I've ever there? felt that as far as it's not worth the squeeze. We've always been passionate about this and we enjoy smoking cigars with our friends and meeting people in the cigar community. I mean, that's been a great experience and rewarding, but, uh, so I've secretly felt it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so, kind of felt like, Hey, this is a little too much. Yeah. So we, I mean, one thing we, uh, I'll just tell you, so we launched, uh, we, we did as much build up as we could within our means to, uh, you know, before the launch of our first cigar, the Yellowstone. And we, came up with this band design that I thought was amazing at the time. And I look back on it now and I was like, this wasn't that great. But so we, uh, <laughs> we put all this stuff together and we built the website, went through a bunch of struggle to get that done and get all the legality stuff handled. And uh, we posted on Instagram, posted on Facebook, tried to drive as much following as we could and, you know, uh, anticipation for the release of the cigar. And we, you know, we posted it. Uh, you launch the website, boom, we're live, Instagram, Facebook, let's do this, and nothing, right? Crickets. Nothing. And, you know, it, 
it's kind of that point where you believe so much in what you're doing and, and you have the passion and you think it's a great idea. And it was the first moment that it hit me in the face, like maybe this isn't a great idea, right? Maybe this hurdle of people not thinking that Montana has any connection to the cigar world is cannot be overcome. And and that's a battle we continue to fight today as we try to grow our brick and mortar footprint is people, you know, they just, well, they just don't associate Montana at all with cigars, which is great why we're talking about this history. But it, there, there's been several times where I've been just uh, to the point where, you know, we're, we've thrown money, thrown money and tried to build this thing. And, uh, and we've, you know, I've been to the point where I've almost made a few phone calls to you, <laughs> but we've, you know, we've just kept pushing through and it seems like that we've had the, you know, good fortune at the right times sure. with uh, manufacturers and with, uh, you know, just the, the general public and people finding support and a connection with, with our story, whether it be the outdoor side of what we do, right. Or the charitable element of what we do or, or just, uh, you know, the idea of something different outside of what they're, they're used to. So when did it flip a switch where you stopped hearing crickets and you're like, okay, this is, do you think you knew what happened? How, how did people start to hear about your brand? So one of the big things for us was, so we did, we went through a, a kind of a rebranding after our first launch. So we had that, our bands, we had our boxes set up a certain way and uh, Brandon made a connection with a new graphic designer we went back, kind of went back to the drawing board based on feedback from customers and cigar shops. And we went back to the design board on our, the drawing board on our banding, right? Sure. And uh, so he made a connection. We ended up with the uh, the top band on our cigars that you see today with the mountains. Yeah. and uh, gorgeous. And that was kind of the first step where people were like, whoa, you know? And we, uh, we went back to some of the people that were a little bit negative or gave us maybe some, uh, you know, crit you know, criticism about our bands. And they said, you know, this is, this is workable. The second thing was on our first cigar, we were able to get it into luxury cigar club. And yeah. that was our first step out into the national market. And that's how I discovered your brand. Yeah. And so that is, you know, those guys have been really good to us. We've been in their box three times now. And yeah. uh, the one thing, you know, what they're trying to do is bring uh, product and add value to people that uh, may have not had certain cigars or can't get them locally. Right. And right. we certainly fit that bill. And, um, so it's, it's been a great relationship and it, from our first, uh, placement in their box, it's really been, it's been uphill since then. So in terms of, you know, growth. So you think the subscription service really helped get your brand some really good exposure. Absolutely. That's awesome to hear, man. Yep. I like hearing that because you never know sometimes if it's worthwhile, but exposure is the number one thing, right? They got to be able to smoke your cigar in order to be attached to it. Absolutely. So, it's great. What types of sacrifice sacrifices have you made in order to keep your cigar company going? <clears throat> well, like I work on the road in the energy industry. So yeah. it's like six, seven days a week. So it's <clears throat> big sky cigars what I can do during the day and then at night. And so uh, kind of a, it's put a little strain on our friendship, I'd say a little right. bit, cause I haven't been able to be there and put, have my feet on the ground, but I do as much as I can. But uh, I mean, we're working through it. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for me has been, uh, so I also work full time in another 
in, in energy as well. And uh, I have, you know, I've had to work, balance that, having a family, I have two kids and, uh, you know, three or four and seven, uh, a son and wow. a daughter. Cool. And, you know, I think, you know, balancing, you know, doing my normal job, making sure I keep that, you know, whole and then keeping my family life uh, positive and, and uh, you know, going through the growth of my children. Now they're in T-ball and so on. And then making sure that we get, you know, get it right with Big Sky. And so we're in a phase where we can't afford to make any mistakes. And like, we have to, we have to make the right decision at all times. We've got to make sure that our customers are taken care of at all times. Uh, you know, we're not in a situation where our cigars are just shipped from Florida to, to these, uh, to our consumers or to these brick and mortar shops. We're doing all the fulfillment. Uh, we're doing, wow. uh, all the supply chain management. We're doing all the marketing. Uh, we're doing all of it and we're, we're doing it all out of our pocket. Uh, we're not under any venture capital. We're not operating off of any loans is something that him and I've bankrolled in its entirety. And, uh, Brandon actually sold his, uh, childhood dream car to buy into the business, uh, 69 Camaro. 69 Camaro. Yeah. How hard was it to let that go? Oh, I mean, I had it for six years. I mean, I love that car. I want to buy it back if I can one day, but who knows if that guy will sell it to me. Why did you guys, you had to sell it because you needed the cash? Well, just to, for Get it off an, the, the initial capital investment, yeah. you know, for the bank. smart though, because you didn't want to take a loan. You yeah. don't want other investors telling you what to do, I bet either. Yeah, huh? we don't want to be beholden to anyone. Uh, you know, it, it, down the road, if we, we grow the brand, continue to grow the brand, which I think we will, something we may consider and maybe something we have to do at some point to really cement our foothold nationally. Uh, but at this point, we continue to bootstrap everything we do. And, you know, it's, as my dad calls it, sweat equity. <laughs> yeah. What do you think is really important for you to do, especially for retailers and consumers to let them know that you're not going to just be a flash in the pan that you're going to be around for the long haul. What do you think is the most important thing for you to be doing right now? So for me, it's, it's service and listening. So we tell everyone that we meet that we're not cigar aficionados. We're learning every step of the way. We're passionate about the products that we develop. We go, <coughs> excuse me, we go to Esteli twice a year, everything we develop, we're putting our hands on and uh, really just staying in touch with the customer and understanding that we're at their mercy, right? We're building products for them. We're not building products for ourselves. And, uh, you know, just to continue to grow that story, allow people to have a connection with what we do. How are people connecting with you right now so you can get their feedback? So we have a, you know, we have a website, www.bigskycigar.com. We also have an Instagram and Facebook presence. Brandon's phone number is on the website. He takes oh, all the Brandon. calls. Yes. Sorry, brother. <laughs> I'd say uh, through Instagram and being part of different cigar groups, like I'm part of the Barrel Burners. They're letting you know what they think of your brand. And it's great feedback, you know. We want to make them happy. We How want do you know what is good feedback and what is bad feedback? Uh, good versus bad feedback? <clears throat> I guess if constructive criticism, you know, if they're trying to tell us like what we could do to make it better, I mean, that's great feedback because we want to have the best cigar out there that we can produce. Right. So, and I think it's all good feedback. I think if someone's giving us feedback, uh, they, you know, they've taken the chance and 
and interacted with our brand. Right. And so I look at it all as positive. We have an opportunity in every every bit of feedback, every interaction we have is an opportunity. So. So you don't think it could lead you astray? Like too much customer feedback might lead you off your your kind of true north, your path? No, I think, I mean, we're certainly not reacting on every certain item of feedback. There's no way we can. You're vetting it out. We're, we're vetting it out. We're talking to people. We're, you know, one thing is we've built great relationships with the fact, the two factories that we work with. We have a huge amount of respect for the knowledge and the artistry that comes out of those factories. And the reality of it is they've been in the business, right? There's guys in this room that have been in the business, you know, 40, 50 years. And, uh, you know, if we're not listening to those guys and leveraging their knowledge, we're not going to be successful. So smart. I like it. So if I'm going to have one of your cigars for the very first time, which one would you hand me and why? So we, uh, the first cigar we released was the Yellowstone. We were new to cigar smoking relatively. And uh, so it's a milder cigar. We think it's really approachable. You can smoke it at any time of the day. A lot of people, of our, a lot of our customers smoke it in the morning with coffee. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a river that's, you know, important to us, important to Montana. It means a lot to us, right? And, uh, you know, that was really where it all began. Everything that we're doing now is revolving around that cigar. And, and that was, that cigar is what allowed us to get our foothold and and brick and mortar and, and throughout the US now, we've, we've sold that cigar in every state. Uh, we've sold that cigar. There's a guy in France that buys it every three weeks and pays more for shipping to France than he does for the cigars themselves. Uh, wow. So, so it's really like, kind of like your first love, Big right? Sky's International. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. Yeah. Now I had, what is the blue one again? The Bighorn. The Bighorn. I had that through Luxury Cigar Club. Okay phenomenal stick it was super dark that's a super dark wrapper yeah it is and it was intimidating to light up because i was like i'm not sure what i'm going to get myself into but i was on my boat thought hey ultimately if it's too strong for me i can put it down yeah so well balanced holy crap that's not a strong for me it wasn't as strong of a cigar what do you guys think yeah i would say it's uh maybe mild plus where i drop it and uh yeah a lot of people so there's two things with that cigar that people were int- intimidated with the dark wrapper because a lot of people just don't understand, you know, the flavor. Profiles, the color doesn't right? impact the strength. Yeah, and strength right. is measured by nicotine. That's right. A lot of people don't think that. Yeah, that and- cigar has so much rich flavor, and so well balanced. And like you said, medium plus is or medium is like just phenomenal. Yeah, and then the other thing is being in a, a torpedo format. Yes. You know, one thing that we we value is, or, you know, and target is to try to bring, bring new smokers and, you know, people that are new to the cigar world. Right. And maybe we're bringing new people into the cigar world and uh, a torpedo format. If you've not smoked and cut a lot of cigars can be daunting to understand how to cut it. Cause you can certainly, you know, cause yourself a problem. uh, What do you recommend? I mean, I always told, tell people a fourth of an inch off the top and then two, they need to see where that cap starts. You can see it. You can see the lines of the leaf coming up and that's kind of your linear guidelines. You can't cut below that. It's going to unravel. Yeah. And it's harder like with the torpedo because it doesn't have as much of the defined cap line. Right. So yeah, I think on a torpedo quarter inch is a, it doesn't have like a perfect ring around. Yeah. 
but you can i feel like you can see the the coming up of the wrapper yeah. a lot easier in a torpedo than you can a normal parejo or rounded cap yeah. so you just tell people to take a, a small nip yeah, off and the then, top and then just uh just you know take a dry pull on it and, and yeah see cold draw to yeah. see if it has enough air coming through it the other thing that i like about a torpedo cap is that when you when you cut it shallow shallow enough that it still has a good arc the shoulder is still arcing or still has that torpedo shape you're really getting a lot of that concentration of flavors to come kind of into one smoking experience or one draw mm -hmm. so i feel like it does change the flavor a little bit as far as the intensity of the flavors and maybe that's just me thinking overthinking it yeah i don't know i, th I mean it makes sense right because it's bringing yeah bringing everything in i know that on like with the select draw cutters right when you're or a punch right same thing you're bringing a lot of the oils right into one one place some people don't like that though has been my experience. See, I don't like but. punch cuts because I feel like I get oil buildup yeah. and then it tars on me. Yep. But with even a straight cut on a torpedo, I don't get that because it's still open enough and I don't know. Really like it. Good shape. Great cigar. And Thank I think you. the more, more important thing that I learned from that is like color does not indicate strength. That's right. It's so important for consumers to not be biased by that. Yep. But it's hard to get over. Yeah. Because it's natural. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we have that brick and mortar in uh, in Billings, Stogies, and so I, you know, when I can, I go in there and talk to people in the humidor, and I love watching their reactions. Right? You can certainly, uh, you can tell someone that knows their way around a humidor versus someone that's been in there for the first time. They may even be hesitant to walk in the door just because they're intimidated. And that uh, is so true. That intimidation factor yeah. is huge. Yeah. How do you get customers over that? I think so. Uh, for me, so my mom runs that store for us, Stogie's. Brandon and I own that in partnership outside of this company. We bought it about a year and a half after we started Big Sky. And so we, we brought my mom in to manage it. We have two employees. And uh, so she's, uh, she's super easygoing. I think it's about the people that you have in there, right? And yeah. I think that- She know, puts them at ease. She puts them at ease. And I think, you know, if, and this goes for anything, like if I was to walk into a cigar shop and someone was, you know, pushing me on something or- uh, you know, took a stance that they were, you know, that they knew everything about it and wanted to, to talk down to me about cigars or something. I think that sets a poor tone. And I, I think that you just need to adjust uh, the conversation for who you're with and make them feel comfortable and make them enjoy the experience. That's what it's, you know, the, the, the cigar experience doesn't start when you light it, right? It's going in and like looking in that room and seeing everything and having that selection and like the amount of work and, and art that you know that's in that room in that variety right. there's so many stories in that room right like the history that all the families that you know cuba the u.s dr i mean so much there and you know that should be an experience for someone not be something that intimidates them right, right? and uh well I think said that's how we get people to you know to be, become part of the cigar world and and stay in it right and then start following these stories and you know and the other thing and, and this is not selfish in any way in terms of just trying to get people interested in big sky or boutiques but you know there are a lot of amazing boutique cigars out there right now a lot and uh i liken it i liken it to what what has happened in the the craft brewing and craft distilling industries where you know there's a lot of these big brands out there excellent stories 
excellent cigars, excellent heritage, right? But, you know, there's something happening in the boutique space that, you know, people should be paying attention to. And the, for the folks that only smoke these uh, legacy brands and they won't move away from it, there's a lot of opportunity being missed. There's not, it's not just for different flavor profiles, but it's about learning new stories and becoming part of a story like Big Sky or like Martinez or like, you know, Room 101, these guys, you know, there's a lot of great things happening and a lot of new people being brought into this space. And, you know, that's exciting, right? And uh, yeah. and I think that, you know, if there's folks out there that are just stuck on one legacy brand, I think it's time to to start stepping out because the, the quality is there. The, the, right. the same families, the same, uh, you know, they're being, they're being rolled with the same knowledge and history and expertise that these legacy brands are being rolled. And there's a lot of new and exciting things happening. Would you think too, the quality of the leaf that you're buying is of the same caliber as the legacy brands? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you're paying a premium for it. Yeah. It's not like it's like, Hey, uh, I want to roll a cigar and they're like, well, you can play with this tobacco over here. Cause this is in your price point. You guys are exposed to all of it and you can choose whatever you want. They're going to, they're going to name a price and you have to go, Okay, well that's expensive, but yeah, uh, yeah we're either going to take less margin or we're going to we're going to we're going to charge what we need to charge for it. Yeah, yeah, you don't have the volume, right? And yeah, that goes for everything we do, right? Our printing our bands, making our boxes, we just don't have the volume. We're paying for it, but we're we're paying for it because like I said earlier, we have to make the right choices. We have to have our quality at the forefront of what we do at all times, and that's that's why I push people to try to to get involved with boutique you know, brands is because there's, you know, there's people at this show that are doing this. They're, they're putting the money out there. They're putting the effort behind these things. Uh, and they're, they're producing great cigars and great products. And, uh, you know, it's, it's time to start taking a look at these. It's awesome. That's great. Good advice too, on the whole humidor and trying to try new cigars. I know like for those of you guys out there that have a cigar that you particularly like, keep that in your humidor, but Take a few dollars every month and go out and try to pick something that you've never had before. You'll be surprised. And I think that's what Jess is saying right now. You guys, I want to thank you so much for being on Box Press, sharing your story. The heritage of cigars is literally in our backyard. We've been making cigars for a long time. And in fact, we've outproduced Cuba 10 to 1 in New York. So guess what? Cigars are so a part of the American culture, it's not even funny. And this is just a great example of why cigars have an American backbone to them as well. And we can enjoy them. And I appreciate you guys bringing this whole, I mean, this box is gorgeous. It just sets the tone. Montana skyline, rivers, trees. I just feel like it just kind of gave me the chills. Like I can feel like I can just go do what I want to do out in nature, whether it be mountain biking or fishing or just being on my boat and enjoy a Big Sky Cigar with friends and family. And uh, I just appreciate you guys for doing that. Yeah, thanks for having us. And uh, yeah, thank you. look forward to working with you in the future. We've got, appreciate your products. We include what you guys do in, in all of our consumer deliveries. It's an important part, especially in Montana. It's super, yeah. super dry in Montana. And so- Yeah, we wanna make sure uh, everyone's got fresh cigars, yeah. man. No, thank you for having us, appreciate it. You're very welcome. So for those of you out there that want to grab some Big Sky cigars, you can go to BigSkyCigarCompany.com, right? Yep. Uh, it's BigSkyCigar.com. 
BigSkyCigar.com. You can get all of your Big Sky Cigars. You can also find them through different avenues like your store in Billings, Montana, which is? Uh, Stogies. Stogies in Billings, Montana. They will ship it to you as well. We appreciate it. Thank you all for watching. If you need anything to keep your cigars fresh or, hey, if you buy a box and you need an extra storage, grab a Boveda humidor bag. It's the easiest way to store more cigars. And as always, Boveda Inc., follow us on social media. If you like this interview, give it a like. And if you want to hear more about companies like Big Sky, subscribe. We're going to produce more content like this for you guys. Appreciate you. Have a good week.